to the next life in February, um, Dr. R.C. Wells from New York made his transition to eternity. And then last week, uh, Dr. Jack Evans, the former president of Southwestern Christian College, made his transition into eternity. This coming Tuesday, uh, Dr. Lawton from Newark, New Jersey, is having triple bypass surgery, heart surgery, with three blockages in his heart. That may not mean a lot to some of you who just became members of the church, but those of us who've been in the church for 30 plus years uh, know that each of those men are pioneer trailblazers, defenders of the faith. And uh, two of them have made their transition. And then there's two other left, Dr. Lawton and Dr. Washington, who are both in their 80s. Several of those men have had some influence in my life, in my ministry. But as we see them transitioning, on, and all of us are going to make a transition. If you keep living, you're going to make that transition. But what's going to happen to our brotherhood? What's going to happen to the Church of Christ? What is happening to the church right now uh, ought to be a concern of ours. In the world, so I'm going to say a special prayer uh, in just a moment for them. But in the world that we live in, I think we need to recognize what's taking place in religion, what's taking place in spiritual matters. Um, Y'all heard of Jay-Z, haven't you? Y'all know about Jay-Z and Beyonce? But Jay-Z has concerts, and and young folk uh, gravitate to his concerts and And in some of those concerts that Jay-Z has, he will use spiritual lyrics or he will reference God or reference Christ. And some of our young people now are are feeling they can get some church by going to a Jay-Z concert. Kanye, did I say his name right? Uh, Kanye, Kanye has had a spiritual awakening. And uh, he dropped by a mega church in Atlanta and you know thousands of young folk are going and then Kanye is going around the country and uh, you know if anybody makes a change in their life we're thankful for that I'm not judging him for 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 that I'm not I'm not I'm not the one to judge him if he's gonna live a better life God be the glory but folk are are flocking to Kanye's music and uh, giving God glory and giving God praise because of, of Kanye West. And then uh, last week, uh, a former basketball star, Lamar Odom, uh, went to a church in Cleveland, Ohio, a denominational church, and he went to that church and he said to them that he wanted to be baptized. He wanted to give his life to the Lord. And that preacher at that church told him that he didn't need to be baptized in order to be saved. Do do I have a church this morning? Do do y'all see how serious this is? I I mean, here's a man who says he wants to change his life 
and give his life to Jesus and acknowledges publicly his need for baptism and a preacher will actually tell him you don't need to be baptized in order to be saved. I think we need to get back to the fundamentals. I think we need to get back to preaching one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Recognizing that those men who passed on before us were were fundamentals. They were sound doctrine preachers. They were defenders of the faith. They were one Lord, one faith, and one baptism type preachers. And and they grew churches. And uh, uh, those churches are still in existence. But we live in a different age now. This is the postmodern age. This is the age of anything goes. Everybody's right. Don't tell me I'm wrong. Uh, It's the Burger King mentality. You can have it your way. And we forget that the Lord's church is the Lord's church. So I want to spend I want to spend the next few weeks as we build towards um, our um, shared blessings on on the 24th. We we should have visitors on that Sunday. Um, We've gotten several calls and that kind of thing. And we're getting more calls every day. Um, and, and so we want to we want to we want to say some things and uh, to help folk know the way of salvation. And uh, we're going to need your help uh, with that. And uh, we're going to need uh, your prayers. But I'm very concerned that in the world that we live in now, uh, we're getting further away from the Lord. And uh, we got to get folk back on the right path. So we'll do our best to share uh, sound doctrine. Amen. But bow with me in a word of prayer as we lift up these pioneer preachers who have passed and who is approaching surgery. Our Father in heaven, we come this morning, our hearts are heavy because you have called your servants from labor to reward. We're thankful for their ministry, we're thankful for their life, we're thankful for their preaching and their influence. We pray for the Evans family. We pray for Southwestern Christian College. We know that you are a God of comfort. We know that you are a God who can wipe all tears from our eyes. But we thank you for uh, giving us men like Brother Evans and Brother Wells and their influence. And we pray for Brother Lawton who will have surgery this coming Tuesday. A warrior, mighty man of God who has stood on your battlefield for a long time, preaching one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. We're asking you, Father, who you are a healer, you are the great physician, to be with the doctors, to guide the surgeon's hands. We pray that all will go well, that you might extend his life just a little bit longer. We lift him up in prayer. And we thank you again for hearing the prayers of the righteous. And we pray that you hear us this morning. This is our prayer that we ask in Jesus' name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now stand on your feet if you don't mind. Stand on your feet. We're going to read from Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And the verses are 14 through 17. Romans chapter 1. Verses 14 through verse number 17. 
I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. That's the reading of the text and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for his good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeem of the Lord say so. From that text, I want to use this expression, no shame in my game. No shame in my game. Paul is the author of this great book written to the church at Rome. Paul was an itinerant tent maker from Tarsus and he wrote to a group of saints. And one thing that was on Paul's mind was the gospel of Jesus Christ. The city of Rome had a worldwide reputation. Rome was a major city in the, in the empire. Rome, the center where the emperor Caesar ruled. Rome was known for its military might. Rome full of pride and power. Rome raw and ruthless. But when Paul wrote to the church of Rome, he was not intimidated or apprehensive. As far as Paul was concerned, Rome was just another city that needed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to say Hopewell needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. Petersburg needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. Prince George needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. Colonial Heights needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. Chester and Chesterfield needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. Richmond needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need folk who was like Paul. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul came with an intent or wrote with an intent to preach the gospel. And notice what he said. He was eager. He was engaged and he was enthusiastic. I know he was eager because he said, I'm now ready. I'm ready to preach the gospel. He was engaged because he saw himself as a debtor to God. In other words, I'm paying off my debt by preaching the gospel. God saved me, and because he saved me, I'm going to preach as long as there's breath in my body. And Paul was not only eager by being ready, not only engaged by being a debtor, he was enthusiastic because he said, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of what I have to say. I'm not ashamed of what God has done for me. I'm not ashamed to testify that Jesus died 
to set me free. We need some folk in the church of Christ who are not ashamed. We live in a shameless society. TV shows and movies are not ashamed to advertise alcohol and liquor. Hollywood is not ashamed to display extramarital and premarital sex on the movie screen. Dudes with their pants hanging low are not ashamed to walk around showing their underwear. Prostitutes are not ashamed to walk the streets at night. The government was not ashamed to adopt a don't ask, don't tell policy in the military. Gays and lesbians are not ashamed to get married and walk hand in hand in public. There was a time when folk kept their business in the closet. But now folk are not ashamed to come out of the closet. And there are some folk that will dare you to say anything about it. But if anybody ought not to have any shame in their game, it ought to be the child of God, the born again, the once saved Christian who's a member of the church of Christ. If Hollywood is not ashamed, if uh, gays and lesbians are not ashamed, if Gangsters are not ashamed. If prostitutes are not ashamed, y'all ain't going to help me with this, but I'm going to preach it anyhow. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anybody here not ashamed this morning? I, I, I say anybody not ashamed of the one Lord, the one faith, and the one baptism? Anybody here got the courage to say that the church of Christ is the one true church? Anybody here uh, got the courage to say that Jesus died for their sin and you must obey the gospel? You acting like you're ashamed this morning. Why come to a church you're ashamed of? Why call on the name of the Lord and you're ashamed? I know some of you are thinking any church will do. Go to the church of your choice. Don't talk about anybody's religion. Let them do what they want to do. Folk are dying lost. And some of us are too ashamed to testify about Jesus. But Paul said, I'm not ashamed. There are some things Paul was ashamed of. There are some things that he's done. And if truth be told, there's some things you and I have done that we are ashamed of. There's some things that I've done I don't want nobody to know about. There's some things that only me and the Lord knows about. Say amen, somebody. There's some things, and if you would be honest, there's some things you don't want other folk to know about you. There's some things that only the Lord knows. But there's one thing I'm not ashamed of. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel threatened the Jews. For they thought that the cross was a stumbling block. The gospel threatened the Greeks. For they thought the cross was foolishness. Telling the story about a man hanging on a tree and dying for the sins of the world does not make sense to those who are lost. But it makes all the sense in the world to those who are saved. Because the power, are y'all hearing me this morning? The power of God to save is not in the charisma of the preacher. 
The power of God to save is not in the character of members of the church. The power of God to save is not how eloquent a man speaks, but the power of God to save is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact that a man would give his life would hang on a tree, would be crucified, would be buried, and would raise the third day. God takes that and saves folk from their sins. I think some of us are more converted to the church than we are to Christ. And we forget that the church didn't die on the cross. But a man by the name of Jesus hung on the cross, bled on the cross. He became the righteousness of God. He took our sin. Well, let me be personal. He took my sin. He took my sin to the cross. And he died so that I could have eternal life. And you think I'm going to be shamed this morning to tell somebody that Jesus died for my sin? Everybody ought to have the courage to stand on the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is not an afterthought, but the gospel is a forethought of God. The gospel was planned by God. Say amen if you can. The gospel was promised by the prophets because, because, because uh, in Romans 1 and verse number 2, the apostle Paul brings that point out. Notice what the Bible says. He says, which he appointed, or verse 1, verse 1, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Notice, number 1, the gospel of Christ and the gospel of God is the one, is one and the same. The gospel of God and the gospel of Christ is the very same thing. But notice what he says in verse 2, which he promised before through the prophets, through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. This gospel was promised. This gospel was prophesied. In other words, God looked down through the corridors of time and just in case man sinned, God had the gospel in mind to get man out of sin so that man could be saved and spend eternal life with God. The gospel of God, the gospel of Christ is the one and same thing. And watch this. The righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. The righteousness of God is not determined by man. You and I do not determine God's righteousness. You and I cannot determine what's right in the sight of Almighty God. You and I cannot do that because the proverb writer said there is a way that seems right unto a man. But the ways thereof are the end of death. You know, you may have grown up in a denominational church. You may have been used to that and you may have thought, I was right over there. Man, they call on the Lord. Man, the praise team is on point. The worship is high. The folk just love the Lord. You may have thought that was the right way. But there's a way that seems right to man. But the ways of man, but the ways are the ends of death. Righteousness is a standard set by God. And God's righteousness means you can have freedom and forgiveness of sin. I'm so glad that Christ, 
I can rely on Christ's righteousness and not my own righteousness. I came to say this morning, there's nothing you can do to save yourself. There's not one iota. There's not one thing that you can do. You may think coming to church saves me or giving as I prosper saves me. I, I, I don't lie. I don't steal. I don't cheat. I, I, I don't defraud nobody. That, that ain't what saves you. It's the righteousness of God that saves individuals. And it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ that puts you and I in right standing with God Almighty. And Paul said, look, look, I, I, I'm not ashamed. I, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So, so when I looked at this passage, I, I had to ask myself, what, what is the gospel? Well, Paul, whatever it is, Paul ain't ashamed of it. What, what, what is the gospel? Well, well, you know the word gospel simply means good news. It, it means good news. Gospel means to announce good news. It, it comes from the idea of a herald would speak. On behalf of the king and he would go around and he would get announced good news uh, uh, about uh, what the king was intending to do. Well, well, sometimes we limit the gospel. Now, I know it's going through your mind. Well, uh, the gospel is the death. It's the burial and, and it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I can't even say it's more than that. It's more than the death, the burial and the resurrection. That's the facts of the gospel. The facts of the gospel is that Jesus died for our sins. The fact of the gospel is that he was buried after he died. The fact of the gospel, fact number three is he rose from the grave on the third day. But don't limit the gospel to those three facts. There's more good news than the facts of the gospel. This world was in a mess. And God decided to fix the mess. But the only way God could fix the mess. Is a man who did no sin. Had to die for those who had sin. It, it, it couldn't be a man with sin. Dying for other sinful men. It had to be a man with no sin dying for the sins of men. So God had a man in mind to save the world. In Genesis 3.15, the Bible lets us know that a seed promise was made. In Isaiah 11 and 1, this seed promise would come from the stem of Jesse. In Psalm 118.22, this person that came from the stem of Jesse would be a rejected stone. He would be a chief cornerstone. In Isaiah 53, he's depicted as a suffering servant. In Psalm 22, it lets us know that this suffering servant who would die on the cross, his soul would not be left in hell. In other words, it, it was no ordinary person who would die for the sins of the world. The person who would take on our righteousness, who would become the righteousness of God for us, would be human and divine. Who would come from the seed of David. He would declare to be the son of God. Watch this man. I say, I'm not talking about any man. I'm talking about no ordinary man. This, this man I'm talking about, he paid taxes as a man. But as God, he provided money so others could pay it miraculously. As a man, he fed 5,000 with two small fishes and five loaves of bread. But as God, he said, I am 
the bread of life. As a man, he went to Jacob's well to draw water. But as God, he turned water into wine. As a man, he slept on a ship during a storm. But as God, he said to that same storm, peace be still. As a man, he died on the cross. As a man, he was buried. But as God, he got up from the grave on the third day. And he lives today. Nobody but Jesus could save us from our sins. That's good news, y'all. The good news is you can fix the mess you make. Say amen. The good news is if you mess up, you don't have to wallow in your mess. If you make a mistake, you can correct the mistake. The good news is through Jesus Christ, God will give you another chance. I used to say God will give us a second chance. But the truth be told, we blew that a long time ago. Y'all ain't hearing me. I blew my second chance in 2001. Blew it again in 2008. Might have blown it last night. Say amen, somebody. God just keeps on giving us another chance, another chance by telling us that if you put your faith and obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, God will save you. The gospel has power. And the reason the gospel has power is because God has power. I said God is, he has power. He can do anything, any way he chooses to do it. That's what bothers me about, here's a man that wants to be baptized and goes to a preacher and says to the preacher, I want to be baptized. And the preacher will tell him he does not have to be baptized in order to be saved. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that baptism saves, and it saves now. Am I right about it? And God is so omnipotent that he can do anything, any way he chooses to do it. And if God chooses water for a man to be immersed in, to be saved, who am I and who are you to question the power of God? Do I have some help this morning? I said I wasn't going to get excited, but I'm excited anyhow. Water by itself doesn't save you. God saves when you get in the water. Help me somebody. Now if you stay out of the water, God's power does not come in contact with you. But when you by faith get in that water, God will meet you in that water. Say amen, somebody. And an operation is performed in the water. He changes you in the water. He gives you his Holy Spirit in the water. You contact the blood of Christ in the water. Your sins are washed in his blood in the water. You've forgiven a past sin in the water. You become a child of God in the water. And if that's the way God want to save us, I'm just going to accept God's way. Amen. He's omnipotent. God is omnipresent. It means he's everywhere at the same time. And if God, a God who's everywhere at the same time, you know, wherever I go, he's there. You can't even go to sleep and get away from God. But God will wake you up in a dream. Am I right about it? He's omnipresent. He knows everything. And God could use any method to save us, but he chose the gospel. Are y'all with me? Amen. 
Now, now watch this. Y'all come a little closer. Don't, 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 don't freeze up on me now. Y'all come a little closer. Help the preacher out. God could have chosen the sinner's prayer to save folk. God could have done that. God, God could have said through his word that if you want to be saved, just recite the sinner's prayer. But watch this. Somewhere I read that God hears the prayers of the righteous. Y'all missed the shot. How, why would God save a sinner when he doesn't even acknowledge the prayers of sinners? Say amen. I'm not saying you're bad. I'm not saying you're wicked. I'm not saying you're a mean person. A sinner is a man who has not obeyed God. Or a man who disobeys God. And God could have said to save man, just say the sinner's prayer. But God hears the prayer of the righteous. I read somewhere for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And his ears are open unto their prayers. So what can a sinner pray for? He can't pray for forgiveness because he's not in a covenant relationship with God. He can't pray for salvation because he hasn't been saved yet. Are y'all with me? He, you know, the eyes of the Lord. Do I have a church of Christ this morning? Do I have a one Lord, one faith, one baptism? And don't you be ashamed to stand on what the Bible teaches. He could have chosen this omnipotent God who can do anything. This omnipresent God who's everywhere at the same time. This omnipresent God who knows everything to save us. He could have said, just accept me in your heart. As your personal savior. He could have done that. God could do that if he wanted to. But when I read scripture. Folk had to do more. Than accept the Lord in their heart. As their personal savior. Am I right about it? The Lord. This omnipotent God. Who can do anything but fail. Could have said. If you want to be saved. Tarry at the altar. You know, we're we going to have an altar call in just a minute. Now, altar call for members of the church is the invitation. For those outside the church, an altar call is when you come down, if you decide you're ready to give your life to the Lord, you're ready to become a member of the church, you're ready to be a, be a Christian, you come down and you make your confession and we baptize you. In the world, they call it altar call. We call it the invitation. The Lord could have said, just, just, just tear it at the altar. Just tear it all in. Some of y'all did that in denominational church. You came down and you tear it until something hit you uh, in the top of your head. And, and, and you start speaking in tongues and, and all that. You did all that. Some of y'all used to sit on the moaner's bench. Come on now. So some of y'all used to sit on the moaner's bench. Now God could have done that. But God uses the gospel to save us. You know what God does? Let me tell you why there's power in the gospel. Let me tell you why there's power. Dunamis, dynamite power. Because in the gospel is grace and mercy. In the gospel. Now I got to talk to the church. For, for the life of me, I cannot understand why some of us get stuck up in the church. Or come to church with an attitude. Or won't serve the Lord with a greater commitment than we do sometimes when all of us been saved by his grace and mercy. 
Ain't none, don't none of us deserve to be saved. Are y'all feeling me this morning? Well, I've been a member for 30 years. So what? That ain't what saves you. It's the grace and mercy of God. Mercy means you are guilty. And you need some grace extended. Y'all ain't feeling this. It's in your text. It's in your text. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. For therein, in what? In the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Watch this. The righteousness of God extends his grace and his mercy. Grace is when you receive a gift you don't deserve. Receive a gift you don't deserve. You cannot earn it. Mercy is when God withholds the punishment you do deserve. Y'all don't know when to shout. Grace is a, is a gift where God extends his kindness by giving you a gift that you cannot earn. Those of us who work, those of you who work, you go to, you go to work and you deserve to get paid for the time you put in. Say amen now. Amen. <laughs> you know you want your check. Am I right about it? Amen. You want your check. You want to get paid. Am I right about it? Pay me for time spent. That ain't grace. God extended his kind. In the gospel is God's grace. But mercy is when God withholds punishment that you deserve. Bro, preacher, help me with this. You, you're talking about the right of God. L listen. In the gospel is God's righteousness. And certain things happen when you obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number one, because of God's grace and mercy. Are y'all with me? Let me hear you say grace. grace. Let me hear you say mercy. Grace. Because of his grace and mercy, God will justify you. When you obey the gospel. Justified. Means you are guilty. But you are acquitted. Of the crime. You are treated. Just as. You had not done. Anything wrong. Wish I had a church. This morning. You wrong. Ain't no ear fans and bucks. You wrong. You did it. You guilty. But because of his grace and mercy that's in the gospel, God will treat you just as if you had not done the wrong. Some of y'all ain't never been in trouble. You ain't been in enough trouble yet. You ain't been in enough trouble where you were caught dead red-handed. But when we stand before God, we guilty. But watch what justification does. Therefore, Romans 5, 1, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, man, I did wrong, but Christ justified me. Oh, I, wish, I wish I could set this up. 
Man, watch this. When you go into the courtroom of God, God sits on the bench as the judge. Satan, the devil, is the prosecuting attorney. Are y'all with me? Jesus Christ, the righteous. I'm going to get happy all by myself. Is my advocate. I'm in court. And the devil has presented his case. And man, he got a good case. I'm lost. I'm in a denominational church. I'm running around town. I, I, I don't bring my money home. I cuss every now and then. I, I take a sip and I smoke every now and then. I'm just as guilty as I can be. And, 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 and Satan has presented his case. And the judge is getting ready to pronounce judgment. But before the judge can pronounce judgment, my advocate steps aside, moves me aside, and says, Judge, I'll take his place. Put his sin on me. Put my righteousness on him. Wish I had some help this last In other words, you and I are guilty. You and I are lost. You and I have sinned. And when we go in the courtroom of God, before the judge will pronounce us guilty, our advocate takes our place. He takes our sin on him. And he puts his righteousness on us. Y'all are here about this. You see right by now. Justifies us. Are y'all with me? God's power is in the gospel. For the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just. Are y'all with me? The just, the justified, shall live by faith. Well, Berkeley, so why I gotta be a member of your church? Berkeley, why I gotta be baptized? You don't ask me about words, but you come by faith. You put your trust in a man who took your place. He took our sins on him and he puts his righteousness on us. I can't stand before God as a righteous man. And you can't stand before God as righteous either. But when God, when Christ puts his righteousness on you, saving us up, then he'll dismiss the case. Ain't no shame in that thing. It'll save honest folk every day. If there's somebody here this morning who's not a Christian, you've been caught up in denominationalism, you've been caught up in man-made religion. You've been told to pray to such prayer, tarry at the altar, sit on the moment's bench. Uh, you've been told just to accept the Lord in, in your heart as a perfect sake. And you ain't never been to war. You need to come this morning by faith. By faith. Realizing that somebody died for your sins. When he died, he put his righteousness on you. And now you can stand before God. Saying somebody took my place. He justifies you. That's God's power. 
what do you need to do? What do you need to do this morning? This morning, you need to just come by faith. I believe in Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You believe that. You don't need to believe everything in the Bible because we don't know everything in the Bible. You need to know that you're lost and Jesus can save you. And then, then you, 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 you repent of your sin. Repentance is something you do in your mind. You, you, you change your mind. You, you make up your mind that you're going to do what God wants you to do. And then you make the noble confession that Jesus Christ is God's Son. Then, then you got to go to the water. you got to go to the water. And God will meet you in the water. Am I right? Salvation is in the water. Forgiveness of sin is in the water. The blood of Jesus Christ will meet you in the water. And God will start performing on your heart in the water. You're baptized. You're immersed. Submerged. You go under the water. Fully covered. You come up out of the water. I remember there was a sister here. I can't remember her name, but I remember when she, she used to sit right over there. And she would come. I think she had relatives who were members of the church. She would come every Sunday. And finally, I had a Bible class with her. I had a Bible class with her. I taught everything I knew. And then, I, you know, I, run, I was running out. I didn't know what else to teach her. And I said, well, she come every Sunday, you know. And, you know, and she good, good hearted. So I can't remember her name. And, and finally, I told her everything that I've been teaching. And I, I just couldn't figure out what it was, bro. You know, why she wouldn't get back. She didn't doubt the doctrine. She, she didn't have no problem with the church. You know, she, she loved the church. She understood there was one church in the Bible. That was her problem. And then finally, finally, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. And I can't think of, I can't think of you know, what's the book? What, what, how, how do you close this thing? And then finally, in the conversation, uh, she said that when she was a teenager, she had a bad experience with water. <coughs> that she almost drowned in the water. And uh, she said, she said, she said to me something like this, Bro, Crusoe, that's, that's my only thing. I don't have no problem with what y'all teach. I, I have no problem with the way you worship. I understand. Uh, that there's no there, 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 uh, there's no salvation outside of Christ. I, I don't have problem. That, that not my problem. When I was a teenager, I had a bad experience. I almost drowned in some water. Well, when you find out what a person hang up is, you know how to help them. You know how to help them. You know how to help them. I said, sis, I said, sis, listen, listen, listen. I said, number one, number one, I have never heard of anybody drowning when they got get back time. It may have happened, but I ain't never heard it. I, I've never heard that. I ain't never heard that. Mm -hmm. And then, that's a sister, if it would make you feel better, if it would make you feel better, we'll call two brothers <laughs> from the church, <laughs> two strong brothers <laughs> from the church <laughs> who will hold you and make sure that you go down and come right back up. And you know, it wasn't nothing about Jesus, it wasn't nothing about the church, but it was when I relieved her mind and we would let her drown in that water. She got that time. I don't know what your hang up is, but if you ain't a Christian, you ain't saved. But God wants to save you. And you can only be saved by being taught the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you think you're in somebody else's church, you can go by somebody else's name. And 
uh, you know, you call yourself something else religiously, that's an indication you were not taught correctly. Amen. Just do it right. Amen. Do it right. But God's power to save is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news. The good news that God wants to save you. And he can save you. But will you come in? Let's stand on our feet. If you're ready to go to the car. If you're in the Lord's church, if you need prayer, it's prayer time. It's prayer time this morning. It's prayer time. It's prayer time. It's prayer time this morning. And if you're ready to come to Jesus, we'll baptize you in water for the mission of your pastor. You can put on the Lord. You can become a New Testament Christian. You can become a member of the Lord's church. You'll be saved. You'll be a member of the body of Christ. God's power to save. God's power to save. We come as we sing the song of encouragement. Careless soul, why would you linger wandering from the foes of God? Hear ye not the invitation? Oh, prepare to meet thy God. Careless soul, oh, ye the war. 